John Fort here at One Market in San Francisco. This is Fort Knox. We're going to break down this Apple announcement from front to back. The new phones, uh, the new lineup of phones, this weird pricing thing that Apple's got going on. Then when it comes to the watch, I mean, health is clearly the big thing here. Uh, the FDA actually uh, giving the nod to uh, some key features in this watch. Is this watch for old people? Is it for young people? Who's this watch for? I'm sure Apple just wants to sell it to anybody who's willing to pay four or 500 bucks. Uh, definitely an interesting announcement. It could be the story of the holiday season, depending on how these uh, match up. Definitely some big screens. <laughs> well, joining me here at One Market, CNBC's own Josh Lipton, who was with me yesterday in Cupertino, Structure Capital General Partner and Apple Watcher. Uh, that doesn't mean literally like Apple Watch, <laughs> Apple Watcher. Jillian Manis, also with us, CNBC.com health and technology reporter, Chrissy Farr. Uh, glad to have everybody here, because we can talk about this from all kinds of angles, guys. Um, I, I guess, Jillian, I'll, I'll go to you first. Fine. You invest in a lot of companies, and the iPhone, for a long time, has been the primary platform, mobile-wise, for people who are actually willing to buy stuff. Fine. How important is this announcement, not just for Apple and for people who like to buy phones, but for all of tech? Yeah, I think, you know, First of all, we all know the smartphone now is the, everyone's primary device, right? Um, in emerging markets, it's actually their only device. And so I think that for everyone, we really see this as, even though there's not much of a differentiator, really, in these new phones, I think that for the tech industry, we're really seeing this through the lens, or I am, the lens of the AR, which I think is one of the most significant and most interesting bits about this phone. Uh -huh. We have the A11 Bionic chip in it, which really is very much geared towards AR. Right, A12 now. Yes, right. Oh, that's right, it's A12. <laughs> yes. There we go, within seconds, the interest rate changes on me. Um, and I think that that, to us, is the most interesting component. Apple's investing a lot into the AR kit right now, which, as you know, makes it easier for developers to create these amazing experiences. And interestingly enough, if you go into to the Apple Store right now and go to Apple and you just go to AR, all these different uh, experiences come up that you can put furniture and you can train um, on equipment. And the really funny one that just came up was something called Trump Yourself, where actually you can superpose your face and make your face, Trump do what your face is doing and say what you want him to say. <laughs> and I just thought that was so great. If we could only take augmented reality and make it reality, that'd be different. I bet you the White House staff is having a lot of fun. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I was going to be having a absolutely. Lot of fun with that. Josh Lipton, you were there, got your hands on the phones. You've seen a lot of these announcements as well. How is this one different? I mean, we got three iPhone 10s now at all kinds of prices. Last year we were saying $1,000 phone. How's that going to work? Right. This year people are saying $750 phone. How's that going to work? Is anybody going to want to buy a 10 that cheap? Right. I mean, there was a couple interesting um, trends there, John. One is, Clearly going big, right? So we mentioned how this new high-end device is going to have a 6.5-inch display. So that's the biggest display ever for an iPhone. And I got to tell you, so I, I was there yesterday. I had the chance very briefly just to check that phone out um, and to see it. And that 6.5 inches, 
to me does feel and look a lot different. It really did look like a meaningful design change. Now, how many people agree with that? How many people agree with that and say, you know, it's it's important enough to me that I'm gonna go out and, and put down $1,100? We're gonna see. So, but clearly big, and not just that phone, but ref, you know, you referenced the the uh, the R at $750, also a 6.1 inch LCD phone. Some analysts think that's gonna be the, actually the big seller, the big mover. Um, and then I thought another interesting theme that we were talking about yesterday, John, was just how, how broad that portfolio is because they didn't eliminate some phones, right? So you're not going to have the SE, the 6S, but you had to be struck by the breadth of the portfolio and just how many uh, markets and consumers Tim Cook is trying to reach with this. Yeah, we used to call that complexity. Right. Back when Apple was all about not having a broad portfolio. This is the one phone you need. We, we keep it simple. Nah, it's not simple anymore. We talk about a broad portfolio. Chrissy, part of that portfolio includes the Apple Watch. 30% larger screen now, new processor inside. You get some tactile feedback with the crown now. But by far, the most interesting things about it are these features. One, where you can get an ECG taken with it. And that's got the nod from the FDA that, mm -hmm. yes, you can actually get an ECG taken with it. And then this slip and fall thing which kind of harks back to that old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. Definitely for an older generation. Well, who's this watch for? Although, you know, if you have too many, too many drinks. No, I absolutely think this, this healthcare thing is huge for Apple. Um, I talked to Jeff Williams last year, um, Apple COO, and he, he told me that they never really intended for healthcare to be the primary feature of the watch. But when they announced the first device, it came with this heart rate sensor and Apple started noticing it was getting floods of letters from people saying, the Apple Watch saved my life. Um, I noticed this arrhythmia. I, I would never have found out otherwise, and I rushed into the ER just in time. So I think Apple's realized over time that it needs to be more sophisticated with that, hence the ECG or EKG, they're the same thing, um, that it's you're now finding in the, in the Series 4. And that is a gold standard for the medical community that you would have to check if, someone, if they thought someone was having one of these arrhythmias, which is the leading cause of stroke. So Apple's saying, we don't want to work with third parties. We want to do this ourselves. And later this year, it's going to come out. Um, doctors are a little bit worried. Um, I've been hearing from them pretty much all day today. I think people are, are wondering whether floods of healthy individuals are going to go into the emergency room saying, oh my god, I'm, I'm having some kind of a heart well, attack. Well, yes, That's they will. That's what people do, right? That's what WebMD Ooh, for self-diagnosis for, right? But, so Apple's going to have to show. I mean, they're going to have to show through a lot of data, a lot of research, um, that it's not going to be a bunch of these false positives. And yet they're collecting so much data, right, from all of this, that that really is the end game. You know, the data is really the, the holy grail, really. It's the, they call it the new oil. And so really the long lens here is that Apple is enabling everyone to be able to control and have better insight into their own data and then be able to share their data Right, and then for really community and and society to be elevated by all this health data, which is exactly what's going to drive us to precision health, which is what everybody is trying. Predictives, right? Jillian, Better. Not, not only do you know um, companies, and you've invested, you know, Uber, Salesforce, Structure yeah. Capital has been in. You kind of know everybody in Silicon Valley. Uh, you, you, you Everyone. Know, well, you know the culture. You yeah. Know, um, when it comes to this lineup of iPhone 10s, the 10R, the 10S, the 10S Max, is that likely to be the must-have phone? And are people, if you have a 10R, are people going to look at you like, oh, you didn't want to pay for the higher-end 10? I kind of wonder how branding-wise it's going to 
play among those who, you know, the phone is yeah. a sign of status. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, Apple, is, it, there's a cool factor in all of this, and you're absolutely right. But we are dealing with a lot of segmentation of this market, and justifiably so. And I actually think that there's a lot of individuality that's going on in the United States right now. Um, and I'm not saying in China, because China, they want a larger screen. They all want, right? And there's a big market there. In Japan, they want a smaller screen. <laughs> Here, everybody wants what they want to really um, brand themselves. What's the extension of their brand? And Apple is an extension of people's individual brands. What whatever size the format is. But I think it's also fascinating to see that um, for China, they answered, they addressed that market with this eSIM, with this dual SIM, right, which is fantastic. So that's a segment of the market. Then they have this younger social media-driven influential market. And the larger format of the screen, it actually very much um, addresses that market and the ability, as you said, to, to get that brand out there because Apple's using influencers, influencers as well as many of the other brands with a larger format that on YouTube, influencers actually get paid more money for content on YouTube as opposed to Facebook and Snap and Instagram. So it's really interesting to see that everybody has their own phone because it is now an extension of you. Are you going to get a 10R? Um, if I tell you what I just got, you would actually kill me. <laughs> that is an extension to me. Okay, in all sincerity, I had a six for the long time, uh -huh. okay? I have two phones because I have one I work with homeless, uh -huh. um, and I have my own phone for them. So I now have, uh, so I transferred uh, just literally recently onto my eight. Okay. Okay. So now, so I now I have an eight. Okay. Yeah, but, but, but I still have this. Right. But I still have the six in my purse. Yeah, okay. okay. But I have to tell you, I'm one of the people who took forever and was <laughs> to get off of a BlackBerry. I had a BlackBerry forever, where people at airports would look at me like, "Oh, poor her." Like, "Oh, poor." You know, she doesn't. Looking to see where the DeLorean is parked. Yes. Yeah, oh, right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I was a little slow. <laughs> Josh, no frills really in the presentation yesterday. It used to be in fall presentations, we would wonder, who's the musical guest? Will it be Coldplay this year? <laughs> right. Perhaps Seal. Right. Um, they had nobody. They didn't even talk about music. Uh, oh. This might be the first year. I mean, maybe they did at WWDC. I'm not remembering right now. But they, they haven't really focused on that. This was really very much about the phones and the watch. Lean and mean. For yeah. excitement, right. they had slipping and falling. Right. <laughs> What's that saying? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it was, it did come across, you know, it was lean and mean. It was to the point. They got to the phones. They got to the watch. But I, I did think there was some interesting um, moments there, which did maybe speak to a kind of different Apple. I, the way, for example, John, that um, Tim Cook had some kind of fun on Twitter with everybody. You know, he made it look like he had accidentally tweeted a direct message, and Twitter blew up, and people were saying, oh, direct message fail. And it turns out, you know, he was just joking around. It, it played to this video turns he showed out at the keynote. Tim Cook doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. Yeah, no, no, not, not usually. Um, so I did think that Process was sort of, mistake, so it was lean so. and mean, but I kind of liked that. I just thought it showed something about Cook. I thought I showed something about Apple, maybe just a different kind of character and culture there at the edges, I thought. This is Fortnite. If you're breaking down the Apple announcement, I want to put the focus even more now on the watch. Chrissy, um, health is the focus here. You said doctors have been calling you all day. That would stress me out. Uh, Very skeptical going, bunch. Yeah, I'm used to going the other way, though. I call doctors. Doctors don't call me. Hi, this is a doctor. To try being a health <laughs> I, I, I won't. You do it very well. Um, 
How differentiated is Apple in this space with wearable health technology? Because Samsung also pushing on health technology. They make claims. Everybody said we've got heart rate monitoring in the watch. How much of a differentiator is this new sensor that Apple has and the FDA nod, explain the difference between approval and uh, clearance. Clearance, um, yep. And And should we expect to see the same maybe from Samsung in three to six months or from others? Um, I love that question, John, because I've also been hearing from people today about another company in the space called Alivecore, um, which had um, a ECG sensor in the Apple Watch band. Yes. And it's had that for a while. And a lot of people pointed that out and said, you know, I thought Alivecore did this first. Why is Apple claiming that they they are the first to have this over-the-counter ECG? Um, so I've been looking into this, and it turns out what Apple does is a little bit different than anyone else, because what they wanted is they clearly wanted no doctor in the equation in the in the process of you having access to your health information. And Apple's talked about this before. They want you to control your health data. That's super important to them. Um, so for this new device, when you get your ECG reading, which you can basically do just right on the watch, you can see it pop up in your health app right away. You can access that reading, and you can choose to share that PDF with your doctor if you want to or not. With other types of devices, the doctor has to clear it first or unlock it before you can see it. So I really like that focus that Apple's taking, and I think it's actually sort of um, underestimated and a very big deal that they decided to put the patient first. As for Samsung, as for Google, these other companies in the space, I really feel that Apple is blowing the competition out of the water huh. in healthcare. Um, this is the company to watch. They have really prioritized the space. They've got dozens of people on the healthcare team. I just don't even see any other tech company even close. Tell, tell me more. What, what, what about them is blowing the others out of the water? Because a skeptic might say, okay, this is the first feature that we've seen them come out with that others can't say that they've matched. What are we missing? Well, this is the first of its kind. So Apple got this de novo clearance. Um, so the FDA has basically said this is the first company that's come along that has accurate enough, sensitive enough information with this Apple Watch-based ECG that they haven't seen before. So that's a big stamp of approval for the company. Um, they're also, I mean, I've just seen them be hiring like crazy. They must have 50 or 60 people on the Apple healthcare team, lots of doctors, um, lots of like top technologists as well. Um, and uh, if you read my reporting on CNBC.com, um, they also are working on some very challenging secretive stuff, um, like a non-invasive continuous sensor for blood sugar tracking. If they can do that, it means every life sciences company that has been trying to do it for 30 years um, will effectively be beaten by Apple. Um, so I don't see any other company really trying to do such ambitious things like that, and that's why I pay more attention to Apple than, than anyone else. And do you think, Chrissy, do you think there's some there's some analysts who cover Apple and they they for a long time and maybe even guys who aren't that bullish on the on, on the stock, but they say they've always seen that watches, it's gonna become this critical medical device. And some of them, you know, reading through the notes this morning, they said, you know, they were blown away by what they saw yesterday, but they say, you know, it needs more until we get there. And they were they were talking about blood pressure, glucose measurement, until yeah. we really see I mean, what do we need to see when you would say, okay, it's it's become now what you would consider a critical medical 
medical device for people. Well, the ECG sensor um, right now is looking for a type of arrhythmia called AFib, um, but it could do a lot more, and I wouldn't be surprised if Apple announced in the next six months to a year sleep apnea, hypertension, a bunch of other medical conditions that are very common. I sort of think of the company as having a whiteboard with every chronic disease on it, just sort of ticking off one after the other. Um, and that is millions of people impacted. I think that the medical space is so interesting because the Apple Watch wouldn't be this nice-to-have device that you could use, put in a drawer, let it gather dust. It would be a must-have because people would need it to track their health, make its peace of mind. Um, I think it was super interesting that they called it an intelligent guardian for your health because that is what they're trying to speak to, is you need to be wearing this device to make sure that you are staying healthy and that nothing bad happens to you. You know, it's interesting. You talked about um, sleep apnea, which is a really big uh, on everyone's mind in terms of good health, longevity, mm -hmm. right? Right now, they're putting sensors in mattresses in order, and they're looking at that. I mean, why not have this watch, right, that does everything that you need to monitor your own health, to stay proactive, to have a preventative piece? And that's really what this is. This is not this is not a diagnostic, obviously. This is also this is preventative. And so, how do we take that initiative here in the United States? I think Apple is definitely on the forefront of it, as they've been on the forefront of any type of of initiative, really, in terms of the tech industry for a long time. And yes. why that's such a brilliant point is that Apple actually bought one of these devices called Bedit, um, which is designed to put under your sleep mattress. Yes. So sleep is clearly um, some an area of focus for them, and um, I, I will expect to see some announcements around that pretty soon. Well, the thing is they need to figure out a way that you can charge the watch while you're still wearing it. Because that's that's the issue, right? You yes. can't have it on all day yes. and then have it on all night and expect it to still be working battery-wise in the morning. They gotta figure that well, out. Well, is there a way to swap out the battery? I mean, I'm, of course, I'm not Apple and certainly don't claim to have that mind, but it might be just having a battery, uh, 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 you know, on your bedside that it's you swap in. out in the morning. You gotta charge it, it's sealed in. Well, maybe yeah. they have to have some sort of, <laughs> maybe we came up with a, with a solution here. <laughs> Swap out battery. There we go, an upsell. There we go. Chrissy, is this uh, ECG capability potentially a platform also? You, you and I were both communicating with AliveCore a few days ago uh, as they were getting ready to come out uh, with this new AI-powered capability to, to read potassium, right? So. Supposedly, if they can do that based on an ECG that they have taken, they could do it, I imagine, based on an ECG that you got from Apple in the watch as well. Um, are there other companies that are going to be able to build businesses on top of this capability from Apple? Absolutely. I could see them opening up to third-party developers. I know that Apple um, appreciates what AliveCore is doing. They made the decision ultimately not to work with them on their own ECG. Um, but as AliveCore is showing, there's so much that you could do with that sensor if you have access to the health data. And that's why I think it was such a brilliant move for them to have taken money from the Mayo Clinic, um, because it basically gave them access to all of this potential AI from just decades of what Mayo has collected from patients in an anonymized way. So AliveCore really is showing that there's so much more you can do. And I think other developers are following suit. Um, it's certainly not the only one in the space. And Apple will want to engage with those groups and work with them, as well as the broader healthcare community as it just gets deeper and deeper into the space. And by the way, um, 
I just totally see AliveCore getting bought by Google. That's my prediction that <laughs> I want to share with you guys because Google's, it's, it's, they got to make a move. Absolutely. Well, Gendotra, Absolutely. who runs AliveCore, used to run, be one of the top executives at Google, right? So he was the one introducing Google Cloud features around photos. He was dealing with a lot of Google advertising, right. Google ad stuff. So That's right. That's keeping right. the family. I remember That's that. Right. I remember yeah, that. Exactly. Come out with you. But you know, you know, Apple is also partnered up with the Stanford, with Stanford Medical mm -hmm. School, um, and they're uh, and with Duke, and they all are working together to create. Really, they're working on this project Verily, collecting tremendous amounts of data over, you know. 400 patients over four years, or it's it's absolutely so deep. They're so deep into this. Um, I think that they are going to even. I mean, I think Google's going to have to catch up and continue to catch up because they have a tremendous amount of very big partners that are helping. They're not doing this in a silo. Right. I wanted to, just to, on that point, the more, to Chrissy's point, the more you make um, the watch a critical device, John, a medical device, does it also insulate that product a little bit from larger forces Apple can't control? You know, we heard about, um, Apple did tell us, listen, these proposed U.S. tariffs, just for example, on 200 billion of Chinese goods. Apple said, told the USTR, told the U.S. government, that's going to hit some of our products, and it's going to hit AirPods, and they did mention the watch. And so analysts on our air say, listen, if and when those tariffs go through, you would expect them to raise prices, Cook is going to protect his margins. I just wonder, as you make it so critical to people, um, do you insulate that product a little bit from forces that are maybe a little bit out of your control? Or at the very least, the importers can get the watch to check their heart rate as those tariffs go <laughs> exactly. uh, Thank you, Chrissy, for a wealth of information about uh, this house stuff. We're going to be checking in uh, with you often. Uh, joining us now from Mountain View, California, speaking of Google and Mountain View, a 15-year Apple veteran, former software engineer at the company. He's also credited with the invention of the iPhone autocorrect touchscreen keyboard, Ken Kashenda. Uh, he's the author of the book, Creative Selection, Inside Apple's Design Process During the the golden age of Steve Jobs. Ken, just first, basically, your reaction to the iPhone and Apple Watch announcement yesterday, but mainly the phones and this new lineup strategy of you kind of got the, the 8 Plus and the 10R overlapping price-wise. What's Apple doing here? Well, I, I, I think that this is a matter of trying to give everybody a choice that they're going to like. You know, one of the uh, the really interesting uh, parts of the, the new 10R is the colors. People like, you know, this is a personal technology device. And so people are going to walk in the store and they're going to see, uh, going to go down, look and see uh, a nice new bright candy color. And that's the shiny new product. And maybe they're going to go for that one. Huh. And as far as the difference between this Apple presentation and the ones of the past, when we have Steve Jobs up front, I, I've, been, I've been calling this so practical. Apple has gotten, and at this size, you have to be practical. H how do you see the difference between this more mature, much larger Apple and the Apple of the past? Well, it, it really is. There are all of these different product lines now. There's, there, there's the phone, there's the, the iPad, there's the watch you've, you've been talking about. Uh, when I joined Apple back in 2001, there were only Macs. There were only desktop and laptop computers. So it's a, it's, it's a, big, difference, a big difference to just have so many more uh, products in train. And uh, naturally, it's, it's, it's hard to keep, you know, to keep all of those balls juggled in the air. So it's, it's, it's a big change for the company. So can I ask you a question? 
Do you think that this is diluting at all Apple's brand? I'm only saying that in terms of not, you know, not the fun colors and all of that. I think that that actually is part and parcel of what we were discussing before, where everybody is using this, the iPhone as an extension of their, their person, of their personality, of their own personal brand. But I always, I'm just a bit concerned, especially with the Apple Watch, um, that the branding and the messaging is going to be split, where you have, um, you know, the older segment versus the older uh, population and the younger population, and, and how that branding now is going to stay on message. Do you think that that is a problem or not? Well, I think it's a matter of making these products and telling the story to people uh, to make the story relevant to them uh, so that they can find something in the product that is going to make them, well, maybe go to a store and, and try it out. And, and I think that it, for a product like the Apple Watch, you do have these, these two different, really, I think, compelling messages. Health. Uh, on the one hand, and, and, now, and now perhaps you know, heart monitoring coming along, which maybe is going to appeal to an older audience, but then also at the same time fitness, people who are going to be uh, swimming and running and hiking. So yeah, it, in, a, in a way, there is a, 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 a kind of a bifurcation, two different messages going out. But I think those messages are compelling. And, and I, I yeah. do think that the, uh, the, the new watch is pretty exciting and people are going to be uh, interested in, in going and trying it out. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Ken, it's Josh Lipton. Quick question for you. You're a longtime Apple watcher, so I just want to get your perspective here. On those iPhones, Ken, so the big debate this morning is financial analysts are looking through their models. Everyone's trying to figure out the mix over the next few quarters. Um, some guys are saying, Ken, they really do think it's going to be the R. That's going to really big the, be the big mover. It's got the big screen. Okay, it's on OLED, but it's LCD. It'll be good enough for most people. I know others, including my friend John, might have a, a different perspective. What, what do you think, John? What do you think is going to be the popular? iPhone in the quarters ahead? Well, I, I think the R is probably going to be uh, appealing to, uh, to a large audience, you know, particularly uh, you know, over these last uh, couple of cycles, the, the, the prices have gone up. Uh, so uh, now you can, uh, you can spec a new iPhone XS Max with 512 gigabytes of memory, which is a big number. But it's also a big price, over $1,400 for that phone. Uh, and and uh, that, that's a big change over years past. And so uh, it's some people, you know, you know, gadget lovers like me, that's, that's, an, that's an appealing, that's, a, that's, that's an attractive idea to have such a powerful phone. But I think more people are going to find that 10R. Uh, appealing because it delivers a lot of these uh, great new features, great photography. Hey, it's a bright new screen, bright, bright new colors on the device itself, and it comes in at that lower price point. Ken, the, the iPhone 10, this current cycle, has been the most popular individual model of the iPhone all along. So starting at 1000 bucks, it was the most popular model. Um, you're kind of saying now that you think 750 might be more popular than 1,000. Makes some sense. But are you surprised that 1,000 bucks worked out as well for Apple as it did this last cycle? And what do you think that presages about uh, the 10s Max and, and other models? I, you know, it was a bold move, I think, for Apple to put out a phone for $1,000 last year. 
and yet it worked out. I, I, think, that's, I think that surprised a, 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 a lot of people. And, and that, and, and that it, it really did drive up the average selling price of, of iPhones because there weren't that many more iPhones sold year over year. But yeah, that average selling price did go up. So it's a matter of creating right, a value proposition for people. You know, they're going to go out and they've got their hard-earned money and, and everybody wants a phone. So which one? And, and uh, so with this new uh, mix of products and, and now three options, uh, you know, a kind of a, a medium, a, a, you know, a, a large, and then this kind of like medium large, you know, 10R in the middle of there, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what people choose. I can just picture a certain demographic going into the Apple store saying, okay, explain to me, That's me. Wh which one of these is, so which one's the best? Oh wait, you're telling me the, the medium size one is the worst of the three? How does that work? The screen looks pretty good to me. Jillian, are That's me, that would be me. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, there's the medium large and the large large, and then the teeny but not tiny, but the, this is me. And do you I mean, want to watch with that? It's kind of like a Happy Meal, only much more. It's actually, it's the thought I get when I go to the CVS and I look at the Visine, and it's like, Visine for advanced, a Visine for a context, advanced for context, lubricating for context. And at one point, I, I guess the thought is, how much is too much? How much is too much choice? Where it's actually not going to really do uh, Apple uh, a bet, you know, a solid in order to have all these, but in fact, it might create more confusion. And I'm wondering, and that's very un-Apple, right? Apple is all about precision. Um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure having so many more, this whole family of the teenies, the weenies, the daddy, the mommy. This is like <laughs> the three bears, you know? The hard, the soft, the middle, the, you know, what is good to locks pick at the end of the day? Some, some, the counter to that you'll hear, I think it's a very fair point. The counter you'll hear from some Apple watchers will be, you know, if you're competing in the smartphone market of today and you want to keep that iPhone franchise stable, they'll but, say, and let's define stable as growing, you know, probably low to mid single digits, then their point is that actually is the right strategy, that that maybe it feels more complex, but you just got to hit that many more price points. You got to yeah. hit that many more models that are different on price and specs and memory content. Yeah. We'll see. Well, this I will declare is that uh, I think the days are done of so many Apple watchers just waiting to see when Samsung or Xiaomi or somebody else is gonna come out and kill Apple's margins and we'll all be paying less for iPhones. Not gonna happen. Thank you, Ken Kashenda, Josh Lipton, and Jillian Manis. This has been Fort Knox watching Apple, watching us, getting us to pay <laughs> lots of money. If you're an Apple fan, if you're not, you're paying Samsung lots of money or somebody else. Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. I'm John Ford from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com slash YouTube. As a matter of fact, you can go to YouTube now and see video of this conversation. Or you can go to the CNBC apps on Apple TV or Amazon Fire TV and find Fort Knox in the featured area. And if that's not enough, follow me, John Fort, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Weigh in on the issues we discussed on Fort Knox. And meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or FortKnox.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear.